Dear Heavenly Gracious God, we thank you for who you are and who you continue to be in each of our lives. Forgive us for each and every known sin, be it evil thoughts, evil words, evil actions. And we thank you for what Jesus Christ did at the cross of Calvary for each one of us. As we enter today's message, we ask you to allow your Holy Spirit to take it and make it real. Make it real unto each one of us as listeners. May we apply that which is applicable for our life. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we ask you and thank you. Amen. Welcome back to Challenges of Faith Radio Program. I'm Gary McCann. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, because I know you're going to read them in your spare time. A brand new year. I know you just listen to the words of the song, irrespective of who you are, your skin tone, your age, your zip code. A brand new year. Don't you think it's time for a renewed beginning? You know it's true. You know, one of the most frequently used phrases in Christian circles is the gospel. And I know you had a chance to listen to last week's program as it relates to the assignment. Involving the gospel. But you know, there are a few adults that know what this term actually means. You know, it could either refer to a little translation, you know, like the good news of Jesus Christ, or to the perspective that salvation is available only through the sacrificial death and resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and a person's acceptance of him as your Savior. But did you know that less than four out of ten Adults, that means 37% knew this. Did you know that 34% had other inaccurate, inaccurate perceptions of the meaning of the term? Did you know that three out of 10 adults did not even offer a guess, didn't even try? Even among believers of the household of faith, only 60% correctly identified at least one meaning of this expression. The word, not Gary. I marvel that you turn away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be a curse. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I don't know what's going on in your country. You do. Your home, your town, your neighborhood, your village, your province, your state, your city. But here in the United States, there's been a proliferation of new gospels. You're familiar with the New Age belief system? You know, that's rooted in Eastern mysticism. You are or you're not. And then you got a lot of others that's based upon pop psychology than they are on the gospel. 
But irrespective of where they came from, they're leading men and women, women and men, away from the only truth that can save one from sin. And when I say men and women, women and men, I'm talking about your teenager too, your collegiate students too. But the core of the letter that the people at Galatia have been turned from the life-changing truth of God's word. And Paul is saying in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Those of you who are believers of the household of faith, not newborn, have you turned away from him so soon who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel? Who are your teachers? Who are you listening to? You know, Paul is using the Greek word, you know, to be astounded or bewildered. And his astonishment is not that false teachers, false teachers exist, but that the church, you know, followers of Jesus Christ was following them. He had expected false teachers that, in fact, had warned the Ephesian elders over in Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 30, that false teachers would come. But what he is so surprised about is that the church, not a building, is so easily misled. In the four verses that we're looking at, Paul gives us some principles concerning the word of God, the gospel. He's letting it be known. You don't need to add on. But what was going on, these false teachers are not openly denying the gospel message. They only wanted to improve the gospel by adding to it. You know, like some requirements, is that you, pastor? Like some new ceremonies, is that you, leader? Like some new standards, is that you, pew member? You know, is this, they were saying, you know, we believe in Jesus Christ. We have something to add to what you already believe. You know, what is at least implied is that the faith that these believers have is not enough. Something more is needed. Now, you know, that's what that teenager is is hearing, that young adult, that collegiate student, you know, that senior citizen, that elder, and you, and you, and you. Because what they looked at as a different gospel was actually a distorted gospel. The word translated distort means to transform into something of an opposite character. And Paul goes on in verse 7 to clarify that by saying, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And, when you, you know, when you look at the New Living Translation, it shows these verses to say, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God. And when his love and mercy called you to share the eternal life, it's not temporary now, that he gives through Christ. You're already following a a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who twist and change the truth concerning Christ. You hear them out there today. Paul says that this new gospel or good news is in reality not the gospel or good news at all. 
It is all a counterfeit. Everything is a relationship. In verses 6 and 7, Paul uses two different Greek words to describe their spiritual affection to another of a different kind of gospel, which is not another, you know, another of the same kind. He's letting it be known. It doesn't need any additions. But he's also letting it be known how that, what, what happens when you're distorting the gospel. Because if you look at verse 8, Paul invokes a curse on anybody, including himself, who distorts the gospel. He said, but if even we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. That's generic applies to ladies too. Paul said that the real problem of another gospel is not only that it is a bad idea, not only that it lacks power because it is fake, but that it's dangerous. You know, those of us who look at an English translation all sensitive, we lose some of the, you know, the heat of this verse in the original language. It says in verse 8, if anyone comes with another gospel, let him be damned. And in verse 9, he continues the thought by saying, and if you believe it would be, if, if you, and if you believe it, you will be damned too. This is not a curse word. It's using the word in its proper sense. That is, these individuals will be damned, separated from God, and eternally punished. That's what word means. Maybe not the way you're using it. Or you, or you, or you. But the bottom line is those who the gospel message are rejecting the authority of Jesus Christ and are therefore cursed, anathema. It can be pronounced anathema. Because you know there's going to be somebody that's going to say, oh, they didn't even pronounce it correctly. But Paul is not talking about church discipline. His language is far too strong for that. He's invoking God's final damnation and wrath on individuals who distort the gospel. Is that you? And when you look at today's distortion of the gospel, it's preached in order to fit Christianity in a, you know, in this society that is all materialistic. Is that your society where you live in? Because you find that the message of this gospel is which we can call the gospel of success or the, you read it, prosperity gospel. And it's based on the premise that God wants to bless you and you and you, and therefore you can only expect good things from him if you're following the brother of the household of faith, the problem with this gospel is that it ignores the fact that in the life of Christ, in the Christian life, there is sorrow, there is suffering, there is death. And the key of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not the avoidance of life's events, but the possibility to overcome them through Christ. And then you recognize, I hope you do, I do. Let me raise my hand. Matter of fact, let me raise 20 of my hands, and I only have. 10. Those are fingers now. So I only have two hands. But if you look at verse 4, Paul reminds the believer, Christ 
who gave himself for our sins. You know, those evil thoughts we're thinking, evil words we're saying, evil actions we're doing. You know, there are too many of us as believers of the household of faith, we want to look at this sin, that sin, oh, that's the sin. But we don't we don't say anything about the ones in our mind, the ones in our hearts, the ones through our shoe leather, our actions. As believers here in the United States, in your country, if you're free, we're supposed to be in the United States. As believers, we believe in the freedom of religion, but believers need to realize that does not make all religions equally true. The bottom line, we can defend the right of every individual in the United States to worship as they choose. And in doing that, we're not defending that all religions are also the truth. Remember now, Christianity is not a religion. It's a person, Jesus Christ. And when you look at the words of our Savior, it makes this claim only to faith in him. When he said over in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. You may not like that. Being you. Oh, and you too. You heard me use the analogy about there's only one way uptown, downtown, through town, by bus. But you said you're going to ride a car. You said you're going to fly an airplane. You said you're going to come by yacht. You said you're going to ride a motorcycle. There's only one way, by bus. Christ said through him. But do you know how the writer of Acts reiterated that thought when he said over in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other. For no other name under heaven given among men, generic women too, by which we must be saved. And do you notice when you really, really think about it in the quietness of your hour without all that distraction from Whatever, whoever, you recognize only the gospel of Jesus Christ saves. And it's only because of that one can have a renewed life, a renewed beginning, a new change. And when you look at the argument for the gospel of Christ, do you notice it comes down to the personal testimony of you and you and you, and me too, whose life has been changed by it. And when we lose the gospel of grace, do you notice how we lose the only message that has the only power to heal? You know, I've always said we'll continue. For those who claim to be healers, won't you start in the hospitals? But we witnessed the power of the gospel in the story of the demon-possessed man. In Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, I know you wrote it down. But here you got a demon-possessed man experiencing a lot of horrors at the hands of neighbors, at the hands of family, at the hands of friends, 
in their attempt to deliver him from the demons who possessed. And when you look at Luke chapter 8, verse 29, Luke chapter 8, verse 29, it lets it be known that they had often seized him. And he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And in spite of all their attempts to cure him, he was no better off. And so as you look at the scripture, you see multiple attempts had obviously been made at trying to deliver him, but had failed. But that one encounter with Jesus Christ, not with you, not with me, not with your pastor, not with your imam, not with your rabbi, not with your priest, not with your human teacher, not with that political person, that educational person, the sociology person, that criminal justice person, that medical person, you name the person, Christ. And when the people investigated what had happened, we see in verse 35 that they found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. There were no chains. He was no longer screaming and attempting to hurt himself. He was not sedated. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus' clothes and in his right mind. This is what we lose if we lose the gospel. You know, the power to change the inward life. And we look in verse 10, Paul tells the reader why he's saying these things. He says, but I, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? But for if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul said he's not trying to be sensational. He's not saying these things that some pastors do because he knows it's a good, safe topic and he can count on somebody saying amen. But he's saying it's because there's only one truth in the gospel message that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins, your sins, your sins, my sins, my sins, my sins, irrespective of your skin tone, irrespective of your zip code, irrespective of whatever comes to your heart and mind. And that's the only real truth in life. But the question is, what are you going to do with it? Because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 tell you, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works. As any man or woman should boast. Remember, I referenced the two thieves on the cross with our Savior. One believed, one didn't. The one that believed, you didn't hear him do A through Z by faith through grace in Christ about the gospel. You know, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior and Lord. Upcoming Monday and Saturday, global topics. Wednesday, relationships with esquires, you know, attorneys. Another Sunday morning message and Sunday evening, author Byron Demery. Man, I'm looking forward to that interview. Thank you for tuning in to Challenges of Faith radio program. There is a mighty 
across the sky. He's calling out the weary to green pastures. Come and lie. There is a mighty spirit crossing. that love.